0: Good morning, guys. Good morning, everyone who's online. Ah, to have fun, to laugh. That's what we need to do, I think. Anyway, we're going to jump into the teaching right now. As you know, we're on this journey with the Sermon on the Mount and uh, slowly making our way through it. There's a few comments I just want to make before we uh, jump in. Number one, two books were... Drawing from one, The Divine Conspiracy from Dallas Willard. Highly recommend it. It focuses on the Sermon on the Mount. as recorded in Matthew and Luke's Gospel. Um, but as well, its, it's overall uh, reach is to do with discipleship, following Jesus. The other book I would call your attention to is a book that came out in September, uh, Following the Call, Living the Sermon on the Mount. Together, it's a compilation of various Christian authors, right from the early uh, church right up through to the present of today. And just, it goes through in over 52 weeks, the whole sermon itself. Very challenging, but what's very refreshing about it is the different perspectives from the different streams and all saying the same thing. And it's a reminder to us as well that the the Sermon on the Mount has always uh, been very important to the church all down through the centuries. So just those two things. Second of all, uh, after I finished all my prep l- last evening, April and I, we took time just to watch a movie, and it was, it's called Harriet. It's on the uh, life of Harriet Tubman, who was very um, influential in the uh, Underground Railroad during the time of the slavery of the black people and just the pain. Um, what I didn't realize, I really didn't know a lot about Harriet Tub- Tubman. The producers of the movie... I don't know if they realized this, but they, what they revealed as Harriet was someone who passionately loved Jesus and leaned into listening to the Holy Spirit in literally almost everything she did. That's what motivated her, Was why she did what she did. And it was, it was a powerful display of the gospel of Christ and the good news. And April and I were both just really impressed with it. And then, you know, from time to time, I wake up in the middle of the night with my brain going spinning. I don't know if you experienced that yourself, but (laughs) I get that. And I woke up at like, it was around 3.30ish this morning, thinking about this movie. And then it just hit me like a flash. And I trust it was the Holy Spirit speaking this to me but there right before me was the reality of the Beatitudes. Right there, what you see in the life of Harriet Tubman and the kingdom, the two intersecting together. So I would, if you want to see a picture of the sermon, but lived out the Beatitudes, lived out the reality that what Jesus taught, you see it like it's portrayed here in her life. And I was like, I almost thought, maybe I should go see it now again. <laughs> but I was like, no, no, I need to get some sleep. So uh, highly recommend that. The other thing, I, one of the things I like to do in my teaching is that I want to inspire people. And one of the challenges with this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is sometimes it's like, because I say to Jesus, some of your words are pretty hard. <laughs> I don't know how to make them nice, if that's possible, and I, in my, in my time yesterday with Jesus, I was mentioning that to him. And I just, the, the words that came to me is don't make me your teddy bear. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I didn't know I did, but it was a sense of like, I, I, I'm your rescuer, right? Listen to my words, listen to my words. I have life for you, right? So those are the things. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of, or if you've ever read the stories or listened to astronauts that have gone into space, been at the, especially at the International Space Station, and when they come back, one of the common stories that are always told is their perspective of planet Earth, that it changes everything for them, that they see it as this one, this one thing, this one, like, this is our home, this is our planet, and The realization that we are, we're only divided because of political boundaries and ideologies and all that stuff, but we are one people. And there's this whole thing of connection. And as we go through the teaching today, but as you go through the Sermon on the Mount, as you go through scripture, because sometimes we, we read scripture through our own little world, little window that we live through, how we view the world, and sometimes we need to take a step back, fly out into space and as if we could read it if we were out in space. Because I've thought, I've wondered at times, I wondered what it would be like to be in the International Space Station up in the little... The little there's a little observatory window uh, up there that they can look out into the space and be able to read, have my quiet time with Jesus from there and read it if that would make a difference in the words. And I have no doubt it would make a world of difference. It would be totally different that here I am up, up in space. Anyway, I want you to try and understand as we read through scripture. So what I wanna do right now is I want to read uh, through Luke's version of the Beatitudes. And Luke has more of a condensed version found in Luke 6, starts at verse 20 and goes down through to the end. And Luke, he brings an element in there that sometimes we don't sit with uh, all the time. We don't stay with that. And as we do that, I'm gonna read it. It's not gonna be on your screen. I just want you to look at this picture here. Of This is a picture of planet Earth taken from a satellite. And I want you to hear the words from a God who is a global God, a cosmic God, a God who is the God of our universe, the God more than just this planet here and more than just our continent that we live on. And this is what Luke records that Jesus is saying. Hear the words of the Lord. God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. Those words, if you read those words in a, what's called a wooden literal sense, it would almost be indicating that God wants us to be poor, wants us to be uh, mourning, wants us to be hungry, wants us to be persecuted, And that is not at all what Jesus is saying here at all. Because what we have to remember is that Jesus came not to change our behaviors, but to go to our hearts, to heal our hearts. Because when this gets healed, it looks after everything else. And behavior is simply really what behavior is. It's an outward expression of what's going on inside here. Most times, that's, that's what we're seeing, what's going on inside our heart here. So you have to ask, what is Jesus getting at? What is he bringing to our attention here when he says what he says with what I just read there from Luke's gospel? Because we do know that it seems like the poor, the hungry, the uh, mourning, the, uh, the ones who are weeping and uh, the persecuted, they do get God's attention. It causes God to move and speak to that. So if we look at the first one there, God blesses you who are poor. And I hope when you heard those words, you were reading that from a global perspective rather than just from a North American perspective. Dallas Willard in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, says this. He said, blessed are the spiritual zeros." the spiritually bankrupt, deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion when the kingdom of the heavens comes upon them. That the generosity of the kingdom you see that's being poured out. It's poured out to those who are poor. And, and, and we all know this. This isn't just economically poor. This is poor in every aspect of being a human, of what it means to be a human. God sees, God notices us. The next thing Jesus says is, God blesses you who are hungry. And again, did you hear that from a global perspective or did you hear it from a North American perspective? Because it makes all the difference in the world. Back in the early days of the pandemic, we say the early days, almost two years ago, uh, about, I don't know, two, three months in, I had this crazy thought that came to me because at the time you couldn't read the news without every news media outlet at least that's what it seemed was reporting on the numbers number of cases number of those who have died number in the hospital and so on it was just every day you had the numbers and, and you know that was almost the first thing i was clicking on all the time trying to read what are you know following these numbers and then this this thought hit me the thought hit me was i wonder how many people die of hunger, of starvation. <laughs> and I don't know where, where that thought had come from. And I did some research looking around. I found this one website called, I think it's World Counts, worldcounts.com. And they just have this running number of different things within, that's going on in the world. And I remember looking at the number going, what? Right? And so yesterday, I, I brought it up to take a look. And this is what I saw there. 1,050,817 at the time. I think that was around 2.30 in the afternoon yesterday. And it says the number of people that have died this year. I'm thinking, 2022? Like we're only in February, right? Yeah, it's a running tab of how many people are dying from starvation. And it begged the question back then about, you know, back in the early days of the pandemic for me, why am I not hearing any squawking from anybody? Has it just become just where this is just, we've accepted this as normal? But it's roughly every year, like almost in the nine to 10 million people die of starvation in our world every year. And the number of children that die of starvation is astounding, right? It's just, it's astounding, right? But here's the thing. God sees this. God sees that pain. And it's not just what we see as hunger, what we experience as hunger here in North America. It's what's going on in the world. It's what's going on there. Jesus declared, God blesses you who mourn now, you who weep. People that are suffering with loss, weeping, in the mourning comes from a loss in their life. Loss of what? Loss of their health for some people, right? It's been, they've, they've been given a diagnosis that there is no cure for. Loss of safety. Loss of personhood for some people. I don't know how many millions of people in the world are considered stateless, meaning they don't have a country that they can call home. They're in refugee camps. But they're dealing with loss on a continual, ongoing basis. You think of the uh, people who are mourning... Like, look, in Afghanistan, right? The people, what they're going through right now, innocent people who are just, they're, they're citizens of Afghanistan, but they're, they're close, that's right on the cusp of experiencing some, some greatest starvation that they've ever experienced. And, that, and living with that. But the morning you hear, if you hear some of their stories, it's heartbreaking. And you think of the people right now in Ukraine who are just, can you imagine what that must be like to think there's a nation that's just right on your border, just waiting to come in, right on that cusp? What they're feeling, of what they're going to be losing, if, 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 is it possible? And it goes beyond that. People who suffer with depression, right? Loss of, where's life? How come I see no joy? How come I don't get that, right? They don't, they, they try everything possible, it's like this life sentence. And it lists can go on and on. People who are mourning from severe loss in their lives. And Jesus says, God sees them, sees them, sees them. And then Jesus declares that God blesses, uh, God blesses you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the son of man. And I'm guessing that the majority of us, at some point or other in your life, you've experienced, uh, and a lot of times you hear of people, they remember their school days, and whether they were teased or bullied or whatever, but we know what it feels like to be rejected. We know that. I know what it feels like to be rejected, and it hurts. And uh, being teased, not in a fun way, but in a way that comes from a source of hate, to be bullied, to be called names, to be despised uh, for who you are or what you are, it's its devastating, right? It's devastating to a person's heart, to a person's being, right? And Jesus says that when, when you follow me and you are persecuted or you are bullied or you mocked, you are cursed because you follow what I do and people despise you because of that, Jesus says, God sees you. God sees you. God notices. And here's the thing. As we journey through the Sermon on the Mount, there's a lot of stuff God calls us to walk in. It's not the world. It's not the way the world sees things. And it's going to be offensive to a lot of people in the world. But if you're a follower of Jesus, we do things differently. We're from a different country, a different nation. We're first and foremost Christians. Little Jesus is going around. And that's what we want to be, right, in this world. You know, in that video that I had intended to show, um, one of the astronauts, they said, they recognize that we are all connected in this world. All of us, we're all together. Because when they looked down on it and saw no political borders, it was like, we're, no, we're, 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 we're all connected together. We need each other. And persecution is being ripped away from that connection. That's what persecution is. And that's why it hurts so much. But God sees that. So you have to ask, so why these things? Is there something these four things that Jesus points out have in common? And there actually is something they do have in common. They force either of those poor or hunger or mourning, the weeping, the loss of, of something dear to you or persecution they put us all into a state of being vulnerable. That it's that whole thing of, you know, that feeling of being exposed, right? You see that. People can't hide. People who suffer with homelessness or with poverty, they can't hide that, right? It's there for everybody to see. I've always wondered what it must be like for people who, and I remember talking with somebody who was homeless at one point, asking the question, what does it do to you To walk down a sidewalk and actually see people cross the street to avoid you or won't look you in the eye and talk to you as a person and they just said it's soul it's soul crushing that was the word they used soul crushing but they said you get used to it it's like you get you how do you get used to something like that right but it does, it, it's vulnerable, there's, it exposes things. And into all of that, that, that puts us in a place of this place of insecurity, where there is no security. And that's the point Jesus is trying to make, I believe, in when he lists those things, that those people, they live in a place of insecurity. And so then you got to ask the question, and God blesses you? What does that mean? What do you, what do you mean, Jesus? What are you talking about? We don't get that. We, don't, we really don't get that. But to find out why, you have to read further in Luke's gospel. You have to continue. You have to continue what, after Luke quotes the, what Jesus said about God blesses. And we're, I'm gonna bring up that picture again. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus who says, what sorrow awaits you who are rich for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now for your laughing will turn into mourning and sorrow. And what sorrow awaits you who are, who are praised by the crowds for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Is Jesus saying that being rich, being prosperous, having a good time or... Uh, being praised by others is wrong. You should avoid that. No, no, not saying that at all. However, and I would I would say it's globally, but in the Western world at least, we applaud the self-made people, right? We look at that person, look at that woman there, who's made. Look at look at what she's accomplished, right? We use phrases like "God helps them that helps themselves." Right, But when you read the Gospels, it's clear that Jesus, Jesus is God in the flesh, but God helps those who can't help themselves. That God helps those who don't help themselves. It's the way God is, that's the reality of it. When we talk of leaders, we being not just the world, but the church as well, when we talk of leaders, we, all, we generally we tend to point to Presidents, prime ministers of countries, kings, queens, CEOs, celebrities, sports stars, and use them as examples. (laughs) Right? We do. That's just, that's our tendency to do that. And in a way, if you listen, if you listen to how we talk, to what we admire, to what we lift up, if you listen, if you could put it into words, what you probably would hear is the opposite of what Jesus said. Probably what you hear from our world is, what sorrows for you who are poor, for you who are hungry, for you who are mourning, for you who are persecuted. And what blessings on you who are rich and prosperous and having good times within your life and being accepted and praised by people. probably what you would hear from the way who we elevate and what we elevate in lives. And the question you got to ask is, why do we applaud that? Why? 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 why, why? Right? And you know why I think? Because when when you've arrived there, you've made it. You've arrived And what is that arrival? What is it that we're talking about, really? It's this, security. We have security now, right? When you get there, you are secure, so you think. That's what we tell ourselves anyway. You get so much money in the bank, you'll be secure. If you get known or famous or you arrive at this position, you'll be secure. You'll be all set for life. And what Jesus does here is he takes that thought, that posture, and he flips it on its head absolutely flips it on its head because here's the reality what jesus is saying to us for those who have placed their security in riches or in prosperity or in having a good time you know pleasure leisure time right place their security in that and our praise of others here's the truth the good news doesn't seem all that good you, hear, you know, we know what Jesus calls for, unless you deny yourself, and unless you, you walk away from this. You hear all the, you know, we know all the phrases, and it makes us feel uncomfortable. It really does. It makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable. We call it good news, but inwardly, some of us think, I have at times, gosh, it doesn't sound so good. Right? The commercials on Lotto Max sound a little bit better sometimes, actually. Right? That's the reality of it. Because the reason is because we actually believe that stuff is our security. That if we do get that, we will have a better life. We will feel better. We will have made it. We will have arrived. We believe it. Because the thought of losing it, it's horrifying, isn't it? If I lose that, if I give that up. But what we forget, guys, and it's reality, we forget that stuff can disappear Like that, gone. It's gone. Somewhere in scripture, it says, careful about putting your security in money because it can just fly away. (laughs) And that's so true. Because at the end of the day, all that stuff doesn't matter a hill of beans. And it really doesn't. Fortunately, I've had the privilege in my life because of the careers I've had being a police officer but also being a, a pastor as well is I've been around people who have died. That's a privilege. By the way, Ecclesiastes, tab reference Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes also says, it's better to go to a funeral than go to a party. Why? Because at a funeral, you're faced with your m- mortality. It's sobering. I've observed autopsies. I've seen bodies put in body bags. I've seen it. And you look at the person. You look at that body and you go, shoot. And if it was an accident, if it was a car accident, you go, just a few hours ago, that person was alive. And the realization hits you. It hits you. That doesn't matter how many degrees they had, doesn't matter how many, what houses, doesn't matter if they had 10 houses, doesn't matter if they're a billionaire or if they had a hundred bucks in their bank account, none of that stuff mattered. All that matters is those people who come who love them or who were their friends, how they impacted people on earth, how they lived their life and how they lived it well. That's the only thing that matters because I've been in, I've been in the autopsy rooms and where it doesn't matter if you're filthy rich or if you're dirt poor, you both get the same size compartment until the undertaker comes. That's reality. <laughs> None of it matters. None of it matters. It's almost like it just turns to ash. <sighs> Sobering, I know. <laughs> Trying try to be inspiring. Look, at here's the reality. Jesus good news that he proclaims is very good news for those who have reached the end of their rope because they have nothing to put their security in. Everything has been taken from them and in their longing for something secure God comes and throws open the doors of the kingdom and says, it's yours, I'm giving it to you. I'll give you security, I'll be your security. God notices that because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters is the blessings of the kingdom. And for many people who claim to be followers of Jesus in the Western world, It's not really until we come face to face with the reality that there is no security in those things. And various things can come in our life that we just go, bang, that is not important anymore. It's amazing how your whole perspective can just change on what's important in life. And it's at that point that we realize that, oh, this good news, it really is good good. It's very good news. And I've known that good has gotten bigger for me as I've gotten older because you just realize there's some things they weren't, they're not that important anymore. It's just, they're gone. Now, so if you think like me sometimes that this pursuing this sermon on the mount or pursuing what Jesus calls to is hard, hard to attain, how do we get there? You're right. It is hard if you think that's what we have to, if we have to attain it. But what it is, we're on a journey. Really what the important thing is, who are we facing? What are we facing? What are we putting our hope into? What are we holding on to and aiming for and walking in the direction? What direction are we walking towards? That's the key thing right there. And Paul, lovely Paul, he tells us how it's done. And in his letters to the Philippians, he writes these very encouraging words. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Here it is. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling you and me. Doable? Yes. But we've got to set our sights, the direction we want to go, and that's following Jesus. Following doesn't mean that we've attained it. If you've signed up for the Bible study that Kim's doing on the Sermon on the Mount, when you reach the end of the 10 weeks, it doesn't mean you've got it. You can go, I got that done. No, 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 no. you get your diploma, I think, at the end, when your life is done. I think that's when you get your diploma. You've run the race. You've done what you could do. And our dependency isn't on us attaining it. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and, and guides us and instructs us and leads us and, and is present with us. That's our hope. Blessed are we because our security is in Jesus. Blessed are we. Blessed are we. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we We hear your word, and we hear your call, Lord, for us to repent. And we know what that means, Lord. You want us to rethink the way we live our lives, to rethink our thoughts and our attitudes, to follow your way, to live our lives from a a place of love that is directed by the Holy Spirit. And Father, we just come before you and say, Lord, we commit to keeping our eyes focused on you, fixed on you, and just walking towards you day in and day out. Lord, I pray for those who are listening or those who are here who may be they're in a place of hunger right now, or they're in a place of poverty in some form or another in their lives. Or they're in a place, Lord, of mourning, Lord, dealing with a heavy loss. Or maybe, Lord, they're in a place where, be it at workplace or at school or even in their home, they suffer persecution, this sense of rejection for who they are, for following you. Lord Jesus, just bring not only your comfort, but would you strengthen them Let them know right now, today. Tell them again, because Lord, we need to hear it every time. Your love for us. Your desire for us. Your longing to give us real life. Life to the full. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you with all of our hearts. So come, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.